It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live with the Word on Wednesday. We bless God for you tonight. We are just thankful uh, for your presence, and we will not prolong the hour, but we'll go immediately into prayer. And after that, a brief review of last week. And then we'll get into this week's lesson. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. And we come to bless you. We come to thank you. We come to praise you. We thank you, O God, that you are true and faithful. Your word is true. God, and even when we are faithless, you are faithful because you just will not deny yourself. God, we thank you that when you give your word, that your word accomplishes its purpose. It does not return to you void. Oh, how we bless you and praise you. Tonight we come to you considering your word, specifically your law, and what it means to us. And we ask that you would speak tonight. We ask that you would lead us and guide us into this conversation, that you would infect our minds in such a way that we think right. And more than just thinking right, that we would do right, that we would walk upright before you because we know your word. For your word is your will. And that we be doers of your will even setting aside our own and dying to it, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom would be advanced, that you would be pleased. Oh, God, how we bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, Autumn. Good evening, Jeanette. How are everybody doing tonight? Hey, look, just a brief review. Now, last week, And we're in Galatians chapter 3. We gave an overview last week again of what's going on. And I want to to bring your attention again to this. And that is that Paul is writing a letter. He has written a letter to the church at Galatia because the Jews came along, some Judaizers came along, and said that it was not enough for them to uh, have their salvation through Jesus Christ but instead, good evening, everybody, um, that, but instead it was necessary for them to obey the laws of Moses. So we entered into the conversation explaining what justification meant. Um, and then last week's question was, Paul begins to question them at the top of the chapter, and he asked them, 
does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? We found the answer that God gave his promised spirit by belief, by faith in him. So everything, justification, receiving God's promises, were dependent upon us believing, and we, in turn, are like Abraham, because he, the argument was that Abraham received the promise by faith, and so we receive the promise by faith, and those of us who receive it by faith are, are with faithful Abraham, but those who choose to live under the law are doomed for destruction because you can't keep the law. If you break one, one little bit of it, you might as well break it all. So it was impossible for them to obtain salvation. It was impossible for them to be pleasing to God by living under the law, okay? Now, oh, and thank you, Victoria, for sharing. Um, I want to move on, and I want to move into uh, verse 15, chapter 3, th chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 15. And I want us to see what the purpose of the law is, because we've got this big discussion going on right now is, well, does the law apply to us today? Can we just ignore it? Since we're under grace, can we just do whatever we want to do and ignore the law? And so before you answer that question, we need to establish what the purpose of the law was, or more importantly, what is the purpose of the law? And that begins in, uh, in the 15th verse. So if you would, go to um, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 15. Turn there real quick. And just so, and just so you, uh, let me just back up just before I start reading. What do I mean when I'm talking about the law? When I speak of the law, we are speaking of the laws given by God to Moses. Now, if you want to to get a sampling of them, um. Go to Exodus chapter 19 and begin reading from Exodus chapter 19 uh, all the way to, let me just take a quick gander. I know it starts at about 19 because they're at Mount Sinai. And he talks about the law all the way through, ooh, looks like he goes all the way. Yeah, it looks like he goes from 19 all the way through, about 31, 31, yeah, about 30, 31, and as soon as he finished giving them the law, of course, you know, then Moses is up there, and what are they doing while God is telling them, you know, giving them the law? They down there, and they had themselves a party, and they immediately began to worship idols. But when we speak of the law, we speak of those laws given by Moses. Now, we think, you know, um, most Gentiles, most Christians, think that the law is just the Ten Commandments. No, there's actually about 613 laws. If you were following me on Facebook, you saw just a smattering of them uh, in a post this week. For example, um, it's against the law to bear a grudge. 
to all of you who are out there who, who carry in grudges, you broke the law. Um, it's against the law to not help a poor person. If you see a, a, a person who is poor and in need and you don't help them, you just broke the law. Um, it's against the law to borrow with interest. It is. It's against the law to lend somebody money and charge interest. It's against God's laws. It is against the law for you to know something, somebody has done something wrong, and not go to court and testify and not give testimony. You know, they talk about snitches get stitches. Well, guess what? And uh, it is against God's law. It is against God's law for you not to tell what you know in a situation. And you know the final thing that, that I posted this week? Do you know that it is against the law for you to be in warfare and to be scared? Yeah, it, that's against the law. So, and there are a total of 613, and if I had to break the law down, um, there was the laws that, that, that talk about how we interact with God. Then there are the law, then those would include the laws of sacrifice. Then there are the laws that how we interact with each other. And then there are the laws of uh, festivals and Sabbaths and all of those. That's a, that's a quick way to break those three down. But, I mean, there's 613. And I'm going to challenge you right now. Now, we know, I just told you it was 613. There are 10 that we should know. As you're sitting there right now, as you're sitting there right now, and don't don't tell me nothing. Don't 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 tell me. But as you're sitting there right now, jot down the ten that we should know. Jot down the ten commandments. Go and jot them down. Jot them down while I'm getting ready to read this passage. And it's gonna be funny because most of us can't remember those ten. So how are we gonna remember six hundred and thirteen? Ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So that's why we, are, we should be grateful that we are under grace. But anyway, I want to read to you. Uh, let's pick up at 3 and 15, okay? And what we're going to answer tonight is the purpose of the law, okay? Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. And I'm at Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. Promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it, is no, then it no longer depends on a promise, but God 
in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. So now he's continuing his argument and he's expanding it. He is saying that we receive the promise given through given to Abraham through Jesus Christ and he's saying that the law does not nullify or supersede the promise. What does it mean? It means that the promise was given before the law and that the law could not overturn the promise. The law could not keep you from receiving what God had already promised Abraham that would come through to you through Jesus Christ, the seed. That's all that passage is saying right there. Because now remember, he's arguing against the argument of the Jews saying that you cannot receive the promised salvation unless it comes through the law. And Paul is saying, not so. Not so, because, one, the law was given after the promise, and it does not nullify the promise of God, because God said it, and there is nothing that can stop his word from being accomplished in our lives. Now, let's keep going. And I love this part right here where it says, but God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now, that word grace basically means God in his favor. God showed Abraham favor, and, and he says, I'm going to give this based upon, based upon my word. Not anything that you do, not anything that anybody does. All you got to do, you see, salvation is a gift, and all you got to do is take it. All you got to do is believe it enough to reach out your hand and take this promise that God has extended to you through Jesus Christ. Let me keep moving. What then was the purpose of the law? That's the gist of our lesson right there. What then was the purpose of the law? Now, Paul's getting ready to answer for it. And I'm at 19. It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. So what is the purpose of the law? The law was placed there to show us our need. Now, specifically what he says here is, it was added because of transgressions. Let me, let, me show, let me give you an example. God places the law in front of us to show us our shortcomings. God places the law in front of us to show us our need. God shows, places the law in front of us to show our utter, utter sinfulness. Now, there are laws concerning how we are to come into his presence and how we are to view him. When we fail to view him in that manner, we have broken the law. 
when we fail to come into his presence in the way that he has prescribed us coming into his presence, we have broken the law. So what he does is he says, this law, the purpose of this law is not to save you, but to show you, number one, that you are wrong, and number two, that you need saving. Okay, you, you're missing that, right? You're missing that. Let me, let me make it a little plainer. There is a law, there are signs along the highway, there are signs along the street that tell you go 35 miles an hour, go 65 miles an hour. Those are the speed limits. And I think that the only one that understands what, the speed, what it means speed limit is, is me. Because when it says do 65, I'm usually, you know, and they said that's the limit. I'm usually under the limit. I'm usually doing about 63, 64, and if you don't watch me, I get down to the old speed limit of 55. I am staying within the law. I am staying within the boundaries. I am staying within the, the safe boundaries according to what the speed limit says, and the police can't do anything to me unless I get down a little bit too low, and then they say, okay, you're going too slow. But as long as I stay under 65, I am within the limits of the law if 65 is the posted. And what does the sign say? Speed limit. I'm going to say that again to all of you. That's the speed limit. That ain't the, that ain't the minimum. Too many of y'all out there thinking that 65 is the, is, the, is the minimum that you can go. And so y'all have to do an 80 and 85. And running the guys like me off the road who trying to obey the law. And then you get mad when the police pull up on you and they say, okay, I got to give you a ticket. Officer, I wasn't doing nothing. Why don't you go find a criminal? You are a criminal. You broke the law. Period. That's just the truth. Well, it's the same thing with God's laws. God's laws are prescribed to keep you within the safe boundary. They are not prescribed to bring you salvation. What does it say? The law was given because of transgressions. The law was given because, if you notice in Exodus, on their way to the promised land, God saw that they just weren't going to act right. He knew them. And so he says, look, let me show you how to walk with me. And so the purpose of the law was to show the people the expectations of God. And when they knew his expectations, they could examine themselves according to what God told them and find out whether they were in bounds or out of bounds, whether they were getting ready to get a ticket or whether they could proceed as on safely. The purpose of the law was transgressions. That's that. Now, let's go further. Verse 21. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? That's the second question he says. So, can, does the law work against the promise? His answer, absolutely not. 
For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. There's the distinction. The law's purpose was not to justify man. The law's purpose was to point out to man his sinfulness. Okay? But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. What is he saying here? What is he saying? The whole world is a prisoner of sin. The whole world stands convicted under condemnation because of sin that has been pointed out by the law. Somewhere else, Paul will write, uh, I wouldn't have noticed sin if it was, I wouldn't have noticed anything about sin if it wasn't from the law. I think that's, um, I think it's Romans chapter 6. Yeah, I think it's Romans chapter 6. He says, because uh, uh, I would not have known that sin even existed if the law hadn't pointed it out to me. And then sin became utterly sinful. But where sin did abound, grace even more. That's, yeah, that's around Romans chapter 6, I believe that's, that is. Look that up later on tonight. Cause that's a, that, when we, when we, if we ever get over to Romans, then this argument becomes expanded over in Romans chapter 6, um, or, or in the book of Romans, rather. So what he's saying, before, uh, let me go to verse 22. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. I want to read that in a different version, if I could, and I don't have it handy. Oh, okay. In another version, it will say that the law was your guardian. The law becomes your guardian. And the picture that Paul is painting here is that the law becomes a disciplinarian. The law becomes a teacher. And what he's showing is that um, young men and women were given a, um, a guide. This guy, he was, he was, they called him a teacher, but he really wasn't a teacher. He was the person that resp was responsible for bringing them, the, the, the sons of the people, to and from teachers, and it was also responsible for disciplining them when they got out of line. And so when a, when this, this is the picture that Paul is painting. He's showing them that this law is your disciplinarian. He, this law was, is designed to take you to a destination where you can learn. And when you, when you walk with this teacher, uh, she's saying it was Romans 7. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, when you walk with this teacher, if you did anything wrong, it was not unusual for him to whack you right back in line. Okay, 
It was not. And so this is, this is what he's saying in this passage right here. So it says we were held prisoners. It's like you were on lockdown. You were on lockdown until you became, came of age to receive what God had promised you. Okay? So it says now that faith has come, verse 25, now that faith has, faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So what did we learn so far? And you know, I know I'm giving you a lot, and I'm giving you a condensed version of it, and we'll expand this teaching over in Romans. But what you want to see here is that, number one, Paul is going to tell you that the law cannot bring salvation. The law can only point out your sin. The law can only point out your unrighteousness. The law can only point out to you that you are destined for death if you are under the law. Now, previously, he what did he say? He said that everybody who's under the law is under a curse. So he continues along that vein, showing the powerlessness of the law, but also now he shows what the purpose of the law is. Now he says, once you're under faith, you are no longer under the supervision of the law. What does that mean? That means that you are no longer under the power of the law, but instead you are under the power of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So God releases the power of the Holy Spirit within you to lead you and to guide you and to empower you to do what the law couldn't do because now you have received the promise. I'm going to finish this, and then I'll show you the application of it. You are all, I'm at verse 26 now, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you, who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. First of all, so, He's going to do a lot with this passage. First of all, he there's been some there's there's this separation or a division that has crept up in the church, and the separation is the Jews versus the Gentiles. Now the Jews viewed themselves because they were the chosen of God, first chosen of God, to be superior to all others. And so they came in looking down their nose, and they've been trained to do this because basically they thought of everybody else as dogs. And so they're saying, if we're taking these dogs, if we're taking these mutts into the family, then they got to have the proper training. He says, oh, no. He says, no, that's not the way it works. He says, if you have been baptized and uh, back in Acts, we talked about what baptism meant. Baptism was 
us dying to ourselves, declaring ourselves dead, and taking on and becoming alive in Christ. And when we become alive in Christ, what do we say? We don't represent ourselves anymore. We now represent him. We now not only represent him, but we now take on his character. We take on his purpose. So our purpose or our will is no longer our own, but instead our will is to do his will. Our personality is now his personality. And that's why in the old church we used to sing, no more I, no more I, but it is the Christ that lives within. So we become a reflection of him who is a reflection of God. So in essence, when we get baptized, what we do is we begin to reflect the will and the way and the personality of God within the earth realm. That's really what baptism says. So he says, you have been baptized and you have been clothed. Now you take on the external features, not just the internal features, but you are robed in the righteousness of God. Because what do we get when we, ha- when we are justified? We get the righteousness of Jesus imputed or deposited into our account so we can live off what he gave us. Do you see where he, what he's saying here now? And so he says, and we all got the same thing. So whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you are slave or free, we all are one in Christ Jesus. Whether you are Baptist or Catholic, whether you are Pentecostal or Protestant, no matter what you are, if you have take on the faith of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin, accept him as your Lord and Savior, are baptized into his name, then you are one. We can call ourselves something different. We can worship differently. Uh, we can come from a different denomination, but we all are one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's saying here. That's his argument. Why are we all one? Because we all got saved the same way, by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does the... What does the law bring into what does the law mean to us today? It means the same thing to us that it meant that it meant then, according to Paul. The law becomes a guide. The law tells us how we can live pleasing to God. It doesn't empower us to live pleasing to God. It just says, This is what God likes. God loves us. Take care of the poor. That's our responsibility toward our fellow man. God loves well us, and he, well, excuse me, God is pleased when we don't covet or when we don't murder or when we don't lie. Those are the things that are pleasing to God. God is displeased when we practice lying, when we murder. God is displeased when we walk around coveting, when we walk around in adultery. The law is not nullified by grace. 
the law still has its purpose. And what is the purpose of the law? To tell us when we mess it up and to show us our need for Jesus. It, to the Christian, it shows us our need to repent. It shows us that we are displeasing to God. But we have a high priest who has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities and tempted at all points, and he encourages us to come boldly before the throne of grace where we can find mercy and help in our time of need. So when we violate the principles of God or the law that tells us how to be pleasing, we can run into, run into him and say, woo, we'd have messed up. But if we just say, oh, yeah, I lied on a big deal. Oh, yeah, I, I did a big deal. What we're saying is that we don't care whether we please God or not because we saved. And I'm going to tell you something about that, 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 kind of, that kind of thinking. That's what's wrong with our world today. That's what's wrong with Christian church today because we think that because of the grace of God, the favor of God, that God bestowed salvation on us, that we can live any old kind of way and get away with it. And God should be happy because we say we came to church, we gave our tithes and offerings, or we didn't give our tithes and offerings, or, you know, oh, shoot, I came I came and I fed the poor. That's, that's good enough for me. No, 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 no. Nothing could be farther from the truth. If you want to walk upright before God, then you understand what his expectations are for those of us who have been empowered because we have his spirit to walk upright before him and live pleasing to him because our will is to do his will because his will is our will. And that's why because we ask according to his will, we can ask for anything. Why? Because we're asking according to his will. Are you seeing how things are starting to fit together now? Are you seeing that? Okay, I'm a few minutes over. I'm a few minutes over. But that takes us through chapter 3. So what is the purpose of the law? The law points out the sin. What is the purpose of grace? The, the Or faith, rather. Faith enables us to receive the salvation promised by God. That's the relationship between the law and faith, the law and grace. Faith enables us to receive God's favor, meaning his salvation, through Jesus Christ. Amen? If you've got questions, you've got questions concerning this or anything that we've Galatians, I want you to begin to type them right now. We're going to close down uh, chapter 3 with a word of prayer. And if I see questions, I'll answer them. Uh, come on, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your law. Yeah, we do. We don't ignore it. Because it tells us when we're out of bounds. It also tells us when we're in bounds. We understand that it was there to point out our 
transgressions. That points us, shows us our imperfections. Your law points us to you and makes us run to you. We appreciate the enabling of your spirit. We appreciate the fact that it empowers us to not only to know what sin looks like and what what is displeasing to you, but also it enables us to overcome and to walk upright before you and to be pleasing in your sight. Oh, God, we thank you for this law that you've given us. Now, oh, God, help us. Help us to not ignore the things that you've said, but instead to pay attention. Help us to to represent you in our lives in the way that we treat our fellow man. Help us to show forth your love by the way we live and not get all caught up in all this other mess. Help us to live sacrificial lives. Help us to live obedient lives. Oh, how we thank you and how we praise you for your word tonight. Now, God, give us more grace. Give us more mercy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I see one. Please explain in verse 14 that word might. Also, please go over impart and impute. Okay. Let me, t- let me take the, the, the back part of impart first. To impart is to sin. To impute is to place. Okay. Impart, sin. Impute is to place. So when he says imputed righteousness, it is the righteousness that is deposited into your account, okay? That's, the, that's what's imputed, or imputed. It's in your account. In part is where he sent it to you and where it's walking alongside of you. So one is the finished. So when we talk about impute, imputation, we really talk about the finished work of Christ. And when we talk about impartation, we're talking about work in progress. Now, let me look at verse 14 real quick. Verse 14, chapter 3. And tell me if you got that, that while I'm looking at verse 14 real quick. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so the redeem, he redeemed us. He purchased us. Um, the picture that you want to see is, um, uh, who is that? Ho- Hosea and Gomer. I think that's Hosea. I think that's Hosea where, where um, God, God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. And then go, yeah, yeah, Hosea, where God tells her to go marry Gomer. And then Gomer messes up. And then he has to redeem her from because she's fallen into slavery. Okay, she's fallen into slavery, and he says, "Go pay for her." Well, what Jesus does for us in redemption is he pays for our sin, and he brings us out 
of the bondage of sin. That's the first part of that verse. The second part of that verse is um, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Now, what she's saying here is that he brought us out, he purchased us out of sin, not just to free us, but that we could receive the blessing, that we could receive the blessing, which is the, the promise, and the promise is his spirit. His, to, he, he, he purchased us to enable us. You got that? He purchased us to enable us. And what do you mean by that? The promise of his spirit. Remember all through Acts, uh, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Uh, in Luke, he talks about the promise of the spirit, but wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Might. That the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. The, the blessing might come to the Gentiles if the Gentile receives the message by faith. That's what that word might function with. The, just like the word comes to everybody, some of them will receive it, some of them will not receive it. So even though it's there, they might take it and they might not. Just like some Jews, they got it and some didn't. So that word function basically shows us that the blessing is a function of reception. The blessing will only come to those who will receive it. Is that clear for you? So when he's talking about that word might, that might functions as a, um, it functions, I'm, I'm a, let me think of the best way to say this. The might points us toward the free will of the gospel. That man's will, that even though it comes to you, it's not going to be forced on you. It is still your choice. Are we, uh, uh, is that all right? Did I explain that, that verse? Okay, good, good. Any other questions? I got a question, I got a question. I usually don't get good questions like that, by the way. Are there any other questions tonight? Uh, for those of you who are on, um, uh, what do you call that, this Global Drive, you can call me. I forgot to give a number. I just forget so much stuff. 929-477-2304. 929-477-2304. I forgot to give that number out. Anyway, if there's no other questions, then that's going to shut us down. Yes, it's always bothered me. Oh, okay, well, I, I, hopefully that won't bother you no more. I pray that it won't. Because, I mean, and sometimes one of the things that I, I, that I like to do, and I think more should do it, is that when you get to a passage, if, you're, if, you, can, if you can, get a good Greek lexicon. And just go word by word, looking up the definitions of those words, and then read it according to the definitions. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is when I come into difficult passages, and that happens to be a difficult passage, by the way. When I come to difficult passages, uh, what I will do is I will read it in three, four different translations. And then if I still don't get it, 
then I go and I start breaking it down word for word with Greek. And then when you do that, you've got to get into all of the, you know, um, what kind of verb is it, what kind of, you know, what's modifying the verb and all of that stuff. I hate doing it. I hate doing it. When you get into a difficult passage, that's what you have to do. And the third thing that you can do, the third thing, which actually should be the first thing, is you can go right to the author. You can go right to the author and say, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? What are you saying? And God will reveal his word to you. God will reveal his word to you. He'll reveal it in a variety of ways. Sometimes what he'll do is the very passage that you are having a problem with, that's the passage that your pastor will preach on, and he'll make it crystal clear for you. Other times it's doing study. Still other times it's in Bible study. And then sometimes with me, God will, if a difficult passage, what he'll do is he'll, he'll basically begin to piece by piece feed it to me. And then it would be 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden he'll speak and he'll say, look at this right here. And he'll put the whole thing together. When they say that the Holy Spirit is your teacher, he ain't playing. And he's going to lead you into his word. And he will reveal his word to you. And the beautiful thing about it is he'll reveal it to you in a way that you can understand it. Now, those are the ways that he deals with me. So, anyway, uh, that's our lesson for tonight. I pray that you've had a wonderful time. Next week we'll be in Galatians chapter 4. And I pray that you will be excited about Galatians as I am. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I'll give you a hint where we're going next. We're going to Corinthians. We're going to Corinthians. We'll stay in the letters for a little while longer. So, anyway, that's it for the night. Thank you for being with us. Uh, share this video with others uh, because I'm sure that there's a whole lot of people that are out there that are confused between the law and grace and justification. And these videos, these Bible studies, will really help people understand and grow. So, I thank you for being here. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Be blessed. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.